He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Yeah, listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Hour 2 of Leafs Lunch rolls along. I'm Mike DiStefano. I've got Jonas Siegel of The Athletic in uh, today with me in place of Julia Tashiri, who is out in Halifax covering the World Junior Championship. She's been in attendance for the last couple of uh, Connor Bedard spectaculars that he's been uh that he's been putting out in the last couple of games i mean the guy just continues to make history last night you just heard it on the call there from gord miller tying jordan eberly's canadian record for most goals at the world juniors with 14 he still has like three or four games to break and continue to add on to this record jonas what he's doing in this tournament is absurd so can I ask you, I'm sure you've discussed this at some point already, but I want to get into it. Yeah. If you could choose where he goes next year in the draft, where would you choose? Yeah. So these are the bottom five teams. Chicago, Columbus, Anaheim, San Jose, Philadelphia, slash Arizona. So he's from Vancouver. I think Vancouver would be probably the best for that, and also putting him in a Canadian, you know, a Canadian market would be great, and for him to play for his hometown Canucks and change that franchise that would be my that would be the answer but if i'm talking about those five teams uh and well the they're gonna have are, to be a lot worse right and all well, not they have a chance right they have a chance right they could end up getting winning the lottery and they have an opportunity to but if i have to pick from those five teams who are most likely to be in a bedard sweepstakes um probably chicago to be honest, I think Chicago, an original six market, and you think about Taze and Kane probably leaving, he could be that new era that can come and usher in uh, potentially a new dynasty in the in, in Chicago. Is that the Windy City? Is Chicago the Windy it is. City? Yeah, perfect. In the, into the Windy City. Um, so I think Chicago would probably be the answer. What about you? I initially leaned that way, and then I started thinking about it more, and I was thinking, what about Anaheim? Like, Anaheim obviously has Zegris. They have Troy Terry. Yeah. And obviously, the market isn't the same. Like, maybe he'll get lost a little bit in the scheme of things in Anaheim. But, like, imagine if they had Bedard and Zegris to kind of build around. And, like, I don't know. Like, you get that, that market alive again. Obviously, they're in a tough spot now. They need some pieces. No? Am I not selling you? Do you no, I guess I mean, you don't I, like the 10 o'clock games. Like, maybe he's just... That's it. That... That's what it is. Like I just, it's it's the market. Ultimately, it's it's the market. I mean, thinking about him and Zegers together, and the magic that they could make. Yes, that does entice me. Uh, but for whatever reason, it just Anaheim's not one of those marquee cities and those marquee teams where I want marquee players to to be. Now it doesn't always work out. I mean, just because it's an original six or it's a Canadian market doesn't mean that it's it's going to. That's the perfect situation. Also, I mean, look at last night, Alexi Lafreniere, who was the first overall pick a couple of years ago, sitting up on the in the press box eating popcorn as a healthy scratch. 
Um, so it, it seemed perfect, right? Lafreniere ends up in New York, the Big Apple, an original six market. But sometimes that's not best case scenario. Maybe for Carter Bedard, if he gets to play with a guy like Trevor Zegers, um, and those two could make magic together, yeah, maybe that would that would work. What about what about the Coyotes? I mean, him I was going to ask Gunther, you. Like, Dylan Gunther, those two, they're making some magic right now at the juniors. I mean, put them together in the yeah. NHL, potentially. I was going to ask you, because I didn't want to be too unkind, but I was going to say, like, what is your worst-case scenario? And that was the team that kind of came to mind for me. Like, imagine, yeah, like, he's playing awful. in that little rink. I don't know, <laughs> man. That'd be, uh, dude, he's selling out WHL rinks, which most of which, I'm sure, I don't know this for a fact, but potentially all have more seats than the rink at Mullet Arena. You know what would be really fun? Montreal. That would be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if, like, are they going to be that bad, Montreal, where they're going to I mean, right now they're worse than Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah, that's true. That's true. They're they're not a very good team. I mean, that would would be be a pretty solid landing spot for him as well. I I think if you're any team, though, and you're not going, like, Montreal would be one of these teams. Vancouver... Probably should be one of these teams, although they've seemed to trick themselves into thinking that they could be competitive. Chicago's one of these teams. Anaheim, like all of these squads who are not going to, even if you do squeak into the playoffs, do any amount of damage. And we saw Masai Ujiri in this city a couple of years ago say, playing for what? If we're not going to be contenders for a championship, then let's just tank and get a better draft pick. And they ended up getting Scotty Barnes at the ordeal. If you're one of these clubs, I mean, wouldn't it, you be better off just losing games here on yeah. out to get yourself the best opportunity to draft a Connor Bedard? Well, the NBA is going through this exactly right now with Victor Wembenyama, who's like supposed to be like if you've ever seen some of the, the clips, I'm sure you have. Like he looks like a once in a ever type prospect, and Bedard obviously yeah. looks like he's going to be pretty special. Like that's kind of what you should be doing. Like if you're all these teams and you're not selling off assets at the deadline to try to make, get yourself worse and try to get yourself in better spots to contend for that pick like you're making a mistake the problem is it's just not great for the product like you know what i mean like if suddenly you have like five or six teams that are like just putting out trash awful lineups right for like a few months but i mean i don't know if you're montreal and you could add bedard to like suzuki and caulfield and like slavkoski it's like boy suddenly you you got something going yeah you got something that's for sure uh, let's bring in uh, Odog into the conversation, TSN hockey analyst who's out in Halifax right now. He's been, he's had a, a first hand look at the Bedard show the last couple of nights. I mean, Odog, what have you seen from Connor Bedard on a nightly basis? Everyone talks about this guy. I mean, what's what's stood out to you most? What's been most impressive about Connor Bedard these last uh, couple of games here? I said to Duffy guys on the broadcast the other day, I'm like. I played against the greats from Gretzky to Lemieux to Crosby and Ovechkin, and I've obviously followed closely Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Connor McDavid, um, Leon Dreisaitl, and I'm kind of used to seeing like great stuff, but this guy continues to impress me. And every time I think to myself, let's just slow down here, like you can't. Every time he gets on the ice, he, he's amazing. And for the people that are saying – well, look at the competition that he's doing it against, and they're winning 10 nothing. Okay, that's fine and everything, but how come no one else is doing it? Yeah. <laughs> like, if it was that easy, then why isn't Shane Wright scoring every time he gets on the ice? 
why isn't anyone else doing it in the tournament? It's just like he's way different. He looks way different. And it's honestly, he had a play last night where he crossed the blue line and he wasn't even moving. And it's like what great players do, Mario or just Gretzky, whoever. He just didn't take a stride, but it seemed like he was going 100 miles an hour just using his edges and kind of weaving his way in the offensive zone. And it's like people just start disappearing around him. And it's like, man, that's awesome to watch. It was right in front of me. And then all of a sudden it's this backhand pass, no look to Shane Wright with an empty net. And you're like, man, that's good. Like, that's just real good. And I heard what you guys were saying about the teams. I'd be tanking for them too. But when you look at it big picture, you're looking at the league saying, do we have like a great league, but there's like not enough good players we're talking seven or eight teams that should be tanking. Why are seven or eight teams looking to tank for one player? Like, is there not enough good players out there? That's kind of one concerning thing about the league if you're looking at it that way. But don't you think, Jeff, like you get that, like even here, you get Austin Matthews and it just changes everything. Like if that's Lion A, good player, but he's not Matthews. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of just raises the ceiling of what you can become, you know? No kidding, Jonas. Like, there's a bad team out there whose offensive outlook, the way they look offensively, is going to completely change next year when they get Connor Bedard. And the same thing happened with Austin Matthews. It's like, when you throw a guy out there that could score 50 or 60 goals, even 40, the off, like, the way your team looks offensively, teams like Chicago or Philadelphia, I mean, the Arizona Coyotes, but they apparently looked pretty good last night. Like, it just, it, it, it looks totally different, and then your team is allowed to build around that, which is what everybody wants. The problem is, if you totally crap the bed and you don't get Bedard, <laughs> you talked about the difference between Matthews and Line 8, then what the hell do you do from there? Then it's well, like... We're brutal. We dumped everybody, and we still don't have a guy that's going to change the makeup of our team. So where the heck are we going to go from here? Well, I think yeah. that was basically the, the Sabres, the year McDavid was, was in the draft, right? They ended up trading anyone who made a save just to be as bad as they could to end up with the top lottery odds, and they didn't end up winning. Edmonton won the lottery, and, I mean, they ended up with a pretty good player in Jack Eichel, but it wasn't McDavid. Al, Al's brother, I don't think you were around when that draft happened, but it's like Tim Murray was the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, and he could not help himself. <laughs> like it was, it was basically a slap in the face to Jack Eichel, but he said after the lottery draft, he's like, man, we tanked and we were so brutal, and this is what happens. I don't think Jack Eichel liked those, that, that talk very much, but no. it was like a big difference between McDavid and Eichel. Oh, is there somebody that when you watch Bedard, you're just like, he reminds me of that guy? No, he's very unique, Jonas. Um, he, he's not the biggest guy, and people around, like this, just people walking around or sitting in the lobby or whatever, they're like, are you concerned about his size? And I was like, I was concerned about Crosby's size. When I saw him in junior, he didn't look like the biggest guy, and he worked out pretty well. So he's not the biggest guy, and he's got like this Mario-length that he carries around, and it looks kind of, it really looks different. But he's not the fastest skater, but he's a very good skater. He just, what separates the guy is obviously the way he thinks the game, his ability to shoot the puck, and then you think, okay, you're enamored with a shot, 
And then he makes these incredible passes as well. I mean, these kind of like no-look kind of half-slap passes to Dylan Gunther on the off wing. It's just, it's just really cool to watch. You're just like, I can't help myself. As I mentioned earlier on in the interview, it's like, I've seen all the greats play, and then you see him do stuff. You're like, it's just, it's, it's really impressive. It's really darn good to watch. We're chatting with uh, O Dog, um, who's out covering the World Juniors right now, and Canada's got a game tomorrow. Probably, well, definitely their biggest game at this point through the round robin. They'll be taking on Sweden. I mean, what's the mindset here if you're Canada, though? Because you're coming off of two massive victories against two subpar teams, we could call them. Um, but now you're taking on Sweden, who you know might be one of the favorites of the tournament. I mean, how difficult is it to transition from playing those lesser teams to now coming up against probably the most difficult opponent in tomorrow for the New Year's Classic? I think... A.B., it's, it's, uh, it's my kind of favorite part of the tournament where the party's over. You've got Sweden, and, you know, there could be some lob- lopsided victories lying ahead of this team, but I've plowed through the 11 nothing, 12 nothing wins because you've got to do them, and you've got to talk about what happens because you can't just bypass them. But it's not very competitive, and it's also you have to see a change in the team because we really don't know what this team is right now. Because they had the, the, the upset in the first game. They lost to Czechia. And then you're thinking, okay, how are these guys going to respond? How can you honestly say that that's a response with the competition they've had? So that game, that first game against a competitive Czechia team, it's still kind of floating out there where it's like, what, what are these guys like? Are they, are they that good? Are they not that good? I mean... I was kind of concerned in the first 15 minutes last night where nothing was happening and they looked awful. They were turning it over all over the ice, and I'm like, please don't tell me this is going to happen on my watch where I have to watch an upset. And it didn't. So it's still like, what are these guys? And now they've got some competition coming up with elimination games following that. So it's basically time for the coach to say, I think anyway, I mean, you don't want to bench anyone at the World Juniors. It's such a, like a prestigious moment for these kids, but it's kind of crunch time, and it's basically the way the game is played right now. I know everyone talks about depth and having four lines going, but the amount of power plays that happen in a modern-day game, uh, it's basically a three-line game. So if I'm the coach, I'm looking at these guys saying, whoever wants to go out there and turn the puck over, unless we're talking about Bedard or something like that, Maybe you're not going to play because there's no time. We have to find some chemistry, and we have to find another line that is a threat offensively and a danger out there because if this is going to be the, the Connor Bedard show the whole way through, the opposition is going to say, we got one chance to win, and it's to shut down number 16, and if we do that, maybe we're going to have a good chance to win. Back in the day, the Oshawa Generals played the Erie Otters with Connor McDavid, and they had one, one mission – shut down Connor McDavid, and we're going to have a chance to win, and that's exactly what they did, and they went on to the Memorial Cup. Yeah, I remember that. It was uh, Cole Castles who was the McDavid shutdown guy, and yeah, it, yeah, that's all you do sometimes is shut down one guy. I'm curious, though, oh, um, it, there was so much talked about the Michigan after the first game. We didn't see it at all against Lafayette. We didn't see it at all uh, in, in either of these last couple of games, actually. If I were to set the number at over under half of Michigan, do you would you take the over or the under for the rest of the tournament from Canada? Let me just before I answer that question, 
just go back to that, and I got no problem with the Michigan, okay? It's entertaining. It's, it's an avenue for these guys to score goals. And it was never about the Michigan. It was about how they were prioritizing the Michigan over winning the hockey game. It was like, we got to go out there and we got to do the Michigan. It's like, the Michigan comes after you're dummying a team and you've overwhelmed them physically in their own zone and you've got so much time behind the net. Go ahead and try the Michigan. But it was like, forget about the World Juniors, forget about the gold medal. It seemed like it was going to be a Michigan contest, and all of a sudden they lost the hockey game. That was where the problem lied with many people. Not even a problem. It was just like that was their priority. I'm going to do this and look at me as opposed to win the game and deal with that, and then maybe a Michigan happens organically later. But as far as over-under, I honestly think it's under because it was talked about so much and – it was kind of made of a big deal, and some of the players even said we're not going to Michigan our way to the gold medal. So I think after that, it probably won't happen. Oh, I want to ask you about something more important than the World Juniors, than the Leafs. I just want to know how you're dealing with the departure of, of Luke from your team. How, how are things internally with Al's brother? Are you guys getting along? Is there dissension? Like, how is everything? I don't ever want to hear the name Luke Wilson on our station again. <laughs> Can you believe honestly, the nonsense? No, no. Honestly, what that guy did, he and Al's brother, and he thinks that Brian Hayes is some, like, like God as far as picking winners in the NFL. Me and Al's brother, who are basically nobodies, and we know that, we are going to show them. I'm disgusted at what he did, and him and Hayes think they're so cool. And I'm so fed up with their stupid memes and their tweets. They're both losers. And me and Al's brother will be triumphant. And we will dominate and show them who's on top at the end of this. Absolutely, pal. That is 100% correct. That's what's going to happen. Al's brother, are you still friendly with him? Uh, you know, it's starting, to, it's starting to go the other way. I'll be honest. Especially after last night. I mean, can you believe that they're trying to weasel us out of a win? From that gate, we took the Cowboys. Right the now, line was... If they try to take away oh. that victory from us, I'm done. I'm done on the. I'm done on radio. Period. That's a victory for us, and that's it. I'm not having any more of a discussion. The live line was thirteen and a half, and we will Thank get you. the thirteen and a half. One hundred percent. Thank you. That will be. Well, trust me. I'll. I'll take this all the way to the Supreme Court if we have to. If and we have to I defend like the our, our new. T- I like the new team name. Plus JP plus Joe. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. We should, we might have to get new new hats and new T-shirts potentially when it comes to that. Uh, we're chatting with the O Dog Jeff O'Neill, TSN hockey analyst. Um, I, I'm curious. It's it's the it's the end of the year O, and typically at the end of the year people come up with New Year's resolutions. Do, what do you think would be the New Year's resolution for the Toronto Maple Leafs for 2023? Thank God's brother. That's a slam dunk. Uh, it's have success in the playoffs. There's no yeah. other way around it. It's kind of the same thing this year. And I don't know, just by, there's a lot of hockey people around this hotel and they all say the same thing. It's like they can have skill, but the playoffs is a completely different ball game. So once, once again, kind of everyone else thinks the same thing, but are the Maple Leafs going to just continue the way they are? I don't know. That's, that's, it, it does have a different look to it this year, but everybody that I have a little stop and chat with here, they all say the same thing. 
They've got a lot of skill. They're proving it again. They're basically doing the same thing. But is there enough will and guts to get it done in the playoffs? Because that's a lot of what happens in the playoffs. Oh, okay. So, O-Dog, this is what the music means. It's the last day of 2022, so we're doing a little impromptu random trivia segments throughout the show and Luca just played the music which means we gotta get a trivia question in here I mean Jonas he's kinda been on fire I'm not gonna lie I'll give credit to the little weasel but he's been pretty good for the team little forcing. weasel yeah, that's what we call it wow. that's what they call you at least wow it's time for you to answer a question O-Dog are you ready I'm ready bud I'm good at trivia fire anything at me and I will answer to the best of my ability Absolutely. All right. In the year 2022, how many Maple Leafs scored a point per game pace in the year 2022? How many Maple Leafs? Yes. So which Toronto Maple Leafs scored at a point per game pace or at a point per game in the year 2022 from January 1st? Till this very date. Dude, what is this? A question for a junior kindergarten kid? John Tavares, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. That's incorrect, though. That's incorrect. John Tavares has not been a point-per-game player in the year 2022. The rest of the three you got, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. Those three have been point-per-game, but not John Tavares. Four? There's only three. Why didn't you tell me I was wrong in the first place? I did. I said you yeah, was incorrect. The only, it was just Tavares. I mean, he was close. He was only a couple of points off from getting it, but uh, the, the answer was three. But we'll give you a three out of four on that one, which is still pretty good at 75%. And uh, I think that's still a W, right? 75% over 50%. That's a win. We'll give that win in the column of, of Team Aldog, by the way. And our football picks. Last night with the Leafs, fellas, you got any updates for me? The hotel room won't show the game, so well, give me the update. It's good you couldn't see the game because you can barely watch the game from that little arena. Yeah, it's Dude, terrible. I saw some of the pictures of the lighting, it looked outrageous. It was brutal. It was it was weird, bizarre, not what you expect out of a, a National Hockey League rink. Like, I, I, imagine being a player and you, you finally make it to the show. And that's what you kind of—that's what you're going into, dude. Yeah, I it, did it in Greensboro. You had to drive an hour and a half away from Raleigh and play in an arena with a tarped-off upper level, <laughs> and with two thousand people in there. And I was like, I don't know really what I deserve, and as far as hockey goes, but I feel like I'm on the East Coast League, and this is supposed to be the NHL. Yeah. But luckily, bizarre. I knew that there was an arena being built in Raleigh, so I could wait it out, and I wasn't a superstar to complain about it. But those guys, it's like, I don't know. It, 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 living in Arizona is a great life, but playing in that situation, a, uh, it can't be very good for those guys. Yeah, I don't think so. Hopefully they can figure something out in that arena. But apparently they're there for at least, what, three years is what uh, CJ told us earlier today. So we got three more years of that rink and players having to go in there and play that way. But it is what it is. Gary Bettman loves loves himself some Arizona Coyotes, and he'll do whatever it takes to keep that team in that uh, in that state and in that city. All right, O, we'll let you go. I know you've got so much that you've got to go and start prepping and working on. 
potentially uh, you know some meetings with some big wigs in the double IHF. So we'll we'll let you go and get to get to that and get about your day. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. Absolutely. Happy New Year, pal. There he goes. He was Jeff fired up O'Neal. about Luke Wilson, eh? And look, it's just it's nonsense. And we, I don't know if you know what happened yesterday, but for those who are, are unaware, weren't quite tracking what had happened. So we made the pick in the football game. We took the Dallas Cowboys. The line that I had that I was given earlier in the day was 14. So I was going based off that line. But the line had changed to 13 and a half. Everybody knew the line changed, but when I talked about it, I took them at 14. But the live line at the time was 13 and a half, and they failed to tell me that it had changed. Usually when Hayes is on, because we had Jim Taddy filling in, we'll look at the live line and we will agree, okay, this is what it's at currently on the FanDuel app. But because it was a little bit of a different situation, things were thrown off a little, and we didn't get that live on-air update. But the line was 13-and-a-half, and that's what we always use is the live line when picked. But because I said 14 because I was given a an old line, they're saying I have to go with that despite it actually being 13-and-a-half at the time of the pick. I mean, Jonas, you're a sensible person. Well, what do you think here? So you were on the Titans? No, I was on the Dallas Cowboys. At 13-and-a-half? At Thirteen and a half was the line, but I said fourteen. But that's because I was given a wrong, outdated line. Should I have to stick to that line or use the live line at the time that the pick was made? They won by fourteen, correct? Yeah. So if if we go with that old, outdated line, it would be a push. But if we go with the live line at the time of the pick, it would be a win for Team Aldog. You know, I'm never really in your corner, but. I kind of got to agree with you here. Thank you, because you're a sensible human being. I mean, being. you're not. You're not a weasel. Time... I take that back. That was a gutless, I'm... gutless thing for me to say. It you're was gutless for sure. But I mean, you made the pick. That was the information you had right at the time. Yes, are you and it was wrong. The line. Why did the line change? By the way, like because Joshua Dobbs was starting. What? Like I don't understand. It, there was so much that went. Like I woke. I went to bed the night before, and the line was like ten. And it grew to 12, and then Henry was out, and it grew to 12 and a half, 13, all the way up to 14. And then because it got that high, you ended up having a bunch of people betting the Titans, which brought the number back down to 13 and a half. So there's a few reasons as to why the number moved a, a lot, and I assume a lot of it had to do early on with all the injuries to, to Tennessee. But then there was late money coming in on the Titans, which moved it back to 13 and a half. So, so it finished at 13 and a half. That's what it finished at, and that's what it was at the time of the pick. I just was unaware of the movement, but I still believe we should be given the live line at the time of the pick. And what does Hayes say? They believe because I said 14, that should have been the locked-in line, which is just absurd. That's craziness. That's not how we've played at all the entire year. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sure this... Uh, there was a, a lot of discourse over the, the, the group chat when it came to this, and I'm sure this isn't over. There will be many conversations over the next couple of days, uh, and probably even into next week, about who gets that victory, if it's a push or if it's a win for Team Aldog. And the thing is, this is uh, an important one, too. Anyways, we got to go, because we got uh, Carter McGahey coming up on the other side, Avalanche play-by-play voice. I'm excited to, uh, to chat with him. He's one of our favorites. 
all-time goal calls. Some all-time calls. We'll play one uh, coming in, too. So Connor McGee coming up next here on Leafs Lunch. Listen to the Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. With Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko. Saturdays at noon. That's amazing. On TSN 1050. Champions live here. Yes Guy. Matthews has done it again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. In the space for Arturi Lekkinen. Puck was bouncing at the blue line. Kempe steals it away. Backwards now for Anderson. He turned it over to Kale McCarr. Down the boards. McCarr cuts to the middle. Kale McCarr shooting. He scores! Oh, Kale! Kale! It's absolute magic from Kale McCarr. And for my next trick, my ninth goal of the season. That was Connor McGahee last night on the Kale McCarr goal call. A beautiful goal if you go back and watch it, if you saw it on the, the highlights on SportsCenter. Um, although he he seems to have a beautiful play, a beautiful goal, almost on a nightly basis, that kid. He's, he's unbelievable. Um, I'm Mike DiStefano with Jonas Siegel of The Athletic, and we're joined now by the man with the beautiful goal call. It's Connor McGahee, Avs play-by-play voice. Connor, how you go? How you doing, pal? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, no, I I always love listening to your goal calls. I remember we had you on a couple of times through the Avs Stanley Cup run, and we were always playing your calls because they're just fantastic. It seems like you really do have so much fun with it. Well, bless you for saying that, and I think fun is a a big part of it. And uh, we have this conversation all the time. The sport should be fun and. And we have to remind ourselves, I think, regularly to not take ourselves too seriously. So I, I, I think we can uh, we can accomplish a professional broadcast and have some fun doing it at the same time. So thank you for uh, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Well, that's that's the best way to do it, uh, in in my opinion. Um, are you running out of things to say though about this Kale McCarr character? Like he just seems to be making special plays on a nightly basis. I saw a tweet last night. You know, McCarr is a cheat code. I, I, you're just running out of superlatives for this kid, aren't you? Yeah, I'm about to turn into a lane from Seinfeld. I'm speechless. I'm without speech. <laughs> um, but but that uh, the conversation at the beginning of the season was, well, what's next for? For Kale McCarr, because we're used to these special plays, and look, he's had to shoulder a load uh, used to without your second D pairing completely. No Bo Byram or Josh Manson uh, has been in the lineup for um, for a long time now, over over 25 games, I think, uh, to this point. And, and with that imbalance, that means that Kale McCarr has to be on the ice pretty much every other shift, and He's the league leader in time on ice. He's up there in all situations, power play, shorthanded, obviously five on five. And so when he's having to play in all those situations, I think there's less opportunity almost to sort of put your jaw on the floor with what he can do. Um, and so we joked about all the trophies that he's accrued over the really the past calendar year and, and maybe just a little bit before that. And What's next for Kale McCarr is is just being a workhorse in the National Hockey League, and because he's had to to help the Avalanche get past this massive injury bug that has bit them, I think we've unfortunately had less instances of the spectacular Kale McCarr plays. But it's now back to back games with with multi points, goal and an assist in Arizona a couple nights ago. Um, 
three points in under three minutes in the second period last night versus the wow. Kings. And, and that's sort of the Kale McCarr that we've been used to. Um, but you're right. Last year, it seemed to be on a, on a nightly basis. And it's just a little bit different this year because of the, uh, the line of circumstance that the ads have. Is it possible, though, at the end of the year, we'll look at his season and say he has maybe, I don't know if a better case than last year for the Norris, but a similar case just because of the load he's been taking on? Well, probably, and I, I just think that we fall into this sort of habit all the time with a bunch of awards, don't we? Uh, especially things that are geared towards points and offense, and and especially when it comes to defensemen, the 360-degree view is is important. And I think for Kale, who's made his uh, made his living so far on wowing people with his offensive ability. Um, to those who don't watch on a nightly basis, you see how good defensively he really is. I mean, uh, he doesn't hit that often, but when he does, it is a textbook body check that hurts. And <laughs> you don't see it coming because he's not the, the biggest, most intimidating guy, but his technique is perfect, and he'll put you on the ice uh, in a big way. That happened to Jordan Stahl, um, one of the biggest hits of the year last year at Ball Arena. Um, but you're right. The the fact that I think his, put it this way, the evolution of Kiel McCarr isn't in the trophy case, it's on the ice, that would give more reason for people to consider him to be the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. In conversation with Connor McGahee, uh, Avalanche play-by-play voice, he got the Avs and Leafs playing uh, tomorrow night in uh, Denver at Ball Arena. Miko Rantanen is uh, is a player I feel like doesn't necessarily get enough credit league wide for how good he is. I mean, is he somebody who's really stepped up here in the wake of all these injuries for the Colorado Avalanche? Do you feel like he gets enough flowers for the player that he is around the league? He does not. Absolutely not. And uh, I mean, going into last night before Evan Rodriguez uh, got his tenth goal of the season, or excuse me, ninth now ninth goal of the season for Rodriguez. But so my point is, even still, I was thinking it was Arturi Lekkinen for a second. But the Avalanche have one goal scorer this year in double digits, and that's Miko Rantanen. He has twenty four, and the next highest goal scorer on the team has nine. Um, and so when you're on lists and in and around. Uh, Tage Thompson and, and Connor McDavid and Bo Horvat, um, and when you don't have your main guns, I mean, no Nathan McKinnon um, for over almost a month now, and no Landis Gog all year, no Valeri Nachushkin. That means that Miko Rantanen has had to do everything himself. He's had to play out of position a couple nights. I mean, he's he's one of the best wingers in the National Hockey League, but just because of personnel and circumstance he's had to play center plenty of times and uh that's a new level for him and he really has not shrunk away from what he's needed to do to lead this team and playoff spot for reinforcements to arrive so 24 goals on the year he's got 20 at even strength that uh, that leads everybody in the nhl and uh and that's what happens when nathan mckinnon is out of the lineup and those two can't combine on the power play so he's been doing it five on five and and that's made the coaching staff and everybody very happy. But I've been saying for a couple of seasons now that Rantanen is one of uh, the best power forwards in the National Hockey League, and um, he's well on his, he's on a 60-goal pace right now for the Avalanche if he can keep this up. And again, that's without a player that has been in on almost half of his offense in his career, Nathan McKinnon. So 
you were looking for the next level for Miko Rantanen. He's he's definitely gotten there this year. Well, and I'm just looking at the minutes, and it's like 26 minutes, yeah. 23 minutes, 29 minutes, 26 minutes, 29 minutes. Like, how is he? How is he continuing to thrive with that kind of workload? Like, you don't see that for most forwards outside of maybe McDavid. No, you you really don't. And uh, we've seen uh, again out of necessity time on ice jumps for. Players that wouldn't normally get there, JT Comfer in career highs, Evan Rodriguez, the same type thing. But for for Miko Rantanen, I mean, he's he's called the moose for a reason because he's built like that, and um, and he can he can survive those minutes, and it, it doesn't really bug him. He's in the best shape he's ever been, and and I think he kind of thrives on it a little bit. I mean, you you have. Once in a while, those nights that everybody has where you're playing three and four and you start to see the, the, the meter on the tank read empty a little bit. But for the most part, you never detect any fatigue out of, out of Miko Rantanen. And uh, I think that he's, he's just been extra motivated in, in a lot of categories this year. And Tom on ice is another one. He, I joked with him the other day. I said, do you realize you, you, you played 27 minutes? He goes, no, didn't even – didn't even cross my mind. So that's that's where he's at right now for the ads. How's uh, our guy Dennis Mulgan uh, in Colorado so far? You know, I've actually enjoyed his his brain. Now he hasn't been able to connect offensively, but I think one of the reasons for the trade was that we just needed a little bit more offensive instincts with our forward group. Uh, with like as I mentioned, Onichushkin, Landeskog, McKinnon, uh, Dryden Hunt is is a, a spark plug physically, and I'm sure you guys know that from his scouting report with with the Coyotes, Rangers, and and now with the Leafs. But um, I, I have liked what Morgan has been able to do. Um, he's taken actually some good pages uh, out of playing with with Evan Rodriguez. He was actually one of the Avs' best four checkers last night. I I would say versus the L.A. Kings. Like I said, he hasn't connected yet, but but he set up some good opportunities, and I, and I think it's gonna it's gonna fall for him pretty quick. He actually slots into the way that the Avalanche like to play uh, very nicely, and has actually had some some great zone time. And, and like I said, just the the lack of personnel I don't think has uh, allowed him to find the range yet. But uh, it's gonna come because uh, he doesn't appear to be a defensive liability and and has been actually one of the more noticeable forwards in the in the bottom six uh, for the ads uh, over the past week or so. All right, Connor, we have been doing this theme throughout today's show. It's a bit of uh, spontaneous trivia, and nice. I have a trivia question for you. It's the last day, it's our last show, rather, of, uh, of 2022, so it's been going throughout the calendar year. And my question for you is which... There's three players who have played for both the Colorado Avalanche and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the year 2022. Can you name all three players? Oh, boy. Uh, let's see. We have Dryden Hunt, Nicholas Albe-Kubel, and who am I missing? Oh, uh, in the year 2022, there's one more. Who's the third one? You just oh, talked about him. <laughs> we did. Wait, we did? Dennis Balgan. 
Oh, Dennis Mall. Oh, my God. That's, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for me. I'm embarrassed for myself. I thought I the one you might, the one I thought you might get stuck on maybe would have been Nicholas Abe Kubel because, you know, it didn't play a whole lot for both organizations, although he did dent the Stanley Cup. So I'm I was sure. going to say, he put a dent in the cup. He became very famous for uh, Yeah. For destructing uh, some history, but uh, but yeah, that's why he's always front of mind now. <laughs> uh, that makes some sense there. Yes, Dennis Mulgan. Uh, he's only oh, been around Colorado me. for a little bit, but he's one of those guys. I'm embarrassed. Sure. I am embarrassed. Oh, don't be. Trust me. I probably would have got it wrong too. Uh, appreciate oh. you taking the time to to join us, though. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, and good luck on the call. Hopefully, there's a lot hey, of fun thanks calls for calling, for boys. I appreciate it, and uh, happy New Year to you guys. And call anytime. You as well. Thank you so much. There he goes. Connor McGee, Avalanche play-by-play voice. I thought that one he would have got for sure. Dennis Mulgan. It happens. It he happens. Knew. The fact oh, that yeah. he remembered Abe Kubel, who barely played in Toronto, give him credit. I mean, you look that- at their lineup, and like we think of like we always kind of get just narrowed in, focused in on the Leafs, and you look at like the injuries that they've had, it's like, oh, my God goodness their top six right now are terry lekkinen jt comfort miko ranton is their top line alex newhook evan rodriguez and dennis mulgan as their second line that's the lineup that uh, the leafs will be playing tomorrow night in colorado so the guys who are missing then are landis Gog, mckinnon nakushkin josh manson bowen byram darren helm and one of the goalies yeah francis freddie franchez as o likes to call him yeah, they've uh, they've been bit by the, the the injury bug, but still in a playoff spot. Currently, they are the first wild card spot in the West. Yes, top wild card spot in the West. So, you know, despite all those injuries, they're still kind of trekking along, and I would imagine they have a pretty good shot at uh, having a chance to defend that title as well. So, I, I'm not too concerned, and I don't think most Avs fans are are too concerned either. But tomorrow will be a, a hard fought. You know, game for them, obviously, with the Leafs. They'll look to get back into the win column after last night's loss to the Coyotes. All right. Uh, firstly, congratulations to Linda Sotirakis. I probably butchered that. I apologize, Linda. At Linda underscore SOT on Instagram. You scored a pair of tickets to Leafs First Blues on January 3rd. Follow at TSN 1050 on Instagram for your chance to win free Leafs tickets all season long. So congratulations to you, Linda. Uh, on the other side, we'll do the second half of our 2022 Leafies. That's coming up next here on Leafs Lunch. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Hey, was, what can a full can do for you after uh, the experience last year of just working through the wrist injury? Terry, nice mustache. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> caught, you caught me off guard there. Uh, <laughs> Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Uh, text the keyword lunch and your name to 105050 standard text message rates. Apply. That was my nominee for the O-Dog quote of the year. When Austin Matthews saw that luxurious mustache on Terry Koshin on the first day of uh, media day, the first day of training camp, and we got to hear that audio, I laughed and must have played that 46 times 
replayed it over and over. And when you see the video and the biggest smile on his face, like you were, you were, you would have been there live, no? Seeing mm-hmm. it happen, like I don't think I've ever seen him so happy than to see Terry Koshin spotting an Austin Matthews esque mustache. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, this didn't make my notes from that day. Surprisingly, I think Mitch Marner came out not long after and had basically the same reaction. Love like, it. Like, very similar. Like, just looking at him like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, was, it was, hey, it's a glorious mustache. I've been able to, to get a glimpse of that puppy by myself as well. Um, your quote of the year, who do you give the O-Dog to? I didn't settle on one. I don't know. Like, not one really came to mind for me. I don't know. Like, I was trying to think back to, like, the end of last year or even the start to this year. I mean, you you guys had some good ones teed up. Is there any one that? was runner-up for you. I couldn't think of one that really, like, popped for me that symbolized the year. In terms of one that created a media storm, why don't we do the one from last year, the respect and the handshake line, because this one truly did create some controversy, especially afterward. Why don't we play that audio? We got a lot of of respect uh, in that that line from from their team, which is nice to see. there's a much different tone and much different feeling of respect on the other side from what we've experienced previously. Uh, I think we're we're certainly earning respect uh, in the league, um, but again, we're not in the respect game. We're in the winning game, so uh, we've got to find a way to do that. Earned a lot of respect. There was respect in that handshake line, which apparently wasn't there when they lost to, to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that there was that was an interesting quote, an interesting quote from Sheldon Keefe, that one there. It didn't really bother me at the time. I don't think. Like, I don't know. I understand what he was trying to say. Did it bother you? Like, I don't. I don't it, know. It 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 only bothered me because it was like he. I think he realized about halfway through because when he reverted and was like, "But we're not in the respect business. We're in the winning business." I think he realized. Yeah, people don't care about the respect because we just lost a game seven in the playoffs. Respect doesn't really matter here. It is a winning business. So good for you. You got respect in the handshake line. Can you go out and win a series? I think was the sentiment of a lot of uh, Leaf fans at the time uh, that that quote came out. All right, we got to give away a couple more awards really quickly here. The Vibe Vibe Award going to the most underrated player. Jonas, who are you giving it to? I'm giving it to TJ Brody. I, I yeah. just think every time I watch him, there are like points in the game where I'm just like kind of laughing at myself. I like get some of the plays he'll make defensively. Like he's just, I don't know. I don't even know if he's underrated at this point anymore, just because I think the city yeah. recognizes how good defensively he is. But to me, like, I don't know that you can ever shine enough light on what he does. I, I agree with that, where it's it's almost like the Barkoff factor. Where it's like, is he really that underrated if everybody chooses him as that underrated guy? Because I was going to go with him, and then I thought to myself, you know what, he's not that underrated anymore. He's being properly rated now as you know uh, a, a very, very good defenseman for the team. But I gave it to David Camp for a lot of the same reasons. Incredibly responsible, doesn't make too many mistakes, scores some timely goals. I mean, they've got, what, like a 16-1 record? When he uh, when he scores a goal, so David Camp to me is one of those more underrated players, and he's a UFA, and I think he's important to this team going forward. So hopefully they can figure something out. Really quickly, the last one, the PA Parento, biggest surprise player. Who's your biggest surprise player of the year 2022? 
I'm going to go with Pontus Holmberg. Good one. I mean, I watched him in the summer at one of their development camps, and I was just like, oh, who's this guy? And then it's like, oh, yeah, I remember Pontus Holmberg. And you just see him up close, and I was like, man, he's got the size. He can skate. Like, he had NHL pace. He's really smart. And he's just become something that they needed in that fourth-line center spot. So he's my guy. And now, apparently, he's a second power play type of guy. Scored a power play goal last night from my biggest surprise and so far you know it's Connor Timmons it's a small sample size but I wasn't expecting him to be as much as a factor early on as he has been I mean he's got eight goals in 10 points and we're now talking eight assists about eight sorry eight points in 10 games what I meant to say eight assists you're correct um but he's not someone who I anticipated going to bat for as this guy has to be in the lineup every single night but he's approaching that and that's kind of a surprise to me, considering where he was at playing the American League, uh, not being good enough, quote-unquote, to make the Coyotes roster, apparently, um, no more than a month ago. So, Connor Timmons, big surprise for me. Uh, fun show, as always, Jonas. I love it when you're here. Uh, any any New Year's plans you got uh, going on this weekend? Well, there's a game, so I'm going to have to figure that one yeah. out. I'm going to have to work that into New Year's Eve. There shouldn't be games on New Year's Eve. I don't know what that's about. Or it's just the Team Canada. Like, uh, just have Team Canada play their World Junior game. I love watching that one. That one I do. I enjoy. do too, actually. But so, I mean NHL games where I am mandated to watch. Yes. Yeah. It's or just put them in the sometimes. afternoon. Like even for for players for their families. I don't know. Put it in. Yeah. Like two o'clock, and then we could all watch the World Juniors. Let's petition for that for next year and going forward. No games on the 27th for obvious reasons, and then also. Uh, have New Year's games be day games, no night games on New Year's Eve. All right, Jonas, appreciate it, pal. It was fun, and uh, we'll catch up with you next year. 2023, happy holidays. There it is. All right, that does it for us here today on the show. You can catch it wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, no gameplay today, but Overdrive returns to the airwaves at 4 p.m. For Mike DiStefano and Jonas Siegel of The Athletic, you've been listening to Lease Lunch here on TSN 1050.